tonight. You can just remain seated. I'm just going to read one verse here real quick. Job 36, verse 11. I'm excited about what God is doing. Job 36, verse 11, it's very familiar to many of us, says, if they obey and serve him, this him being Father God, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures and pleasures and pleasures. Now, there's a caveat there, though. It says, if, if they obey and serve him, if they obey and serve him. So I want to I use from there as jumping off point to talk on this subject tonight, the maturity-prosperity connection. The maturity-prosperity connection. So there's a connection between maturity and prosperity or between prosperity and maturity. You got it? Father, thank you tonight for the word. I pray that your people have open ears, open eyes, open hearts to receive the word of God. And I pray that, God, you give me divine utterance. Let revelation flow freely tonight in this place. And I pray that, God, your people, every one of us here, including myself, would all hear from heaven tonight. And that, God, what is shared will make an impact, a supernatural deposit in our hearts. That, God, we will become what you've called us to be before the beginning of the world, before the foundation of the world, you predestined us to be conformed to the image of your son. So help us to mature to that place that you've called us to be so we can walk in the level of prosperity that you've already made available to each and every one of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. <clears throat> All right. Now, just I want to review a little bit because, you know, my wife's asked me, am I going on something different? And I'm, even though I'm moving to something different, it all ties together. I feel like I've been in one long series for the last 24 years. <laughs> That's really what it feels like. Amen? Because I don't think the messages from the Lord are ever disjointed. Everything is all connected. Would you agree with that? So Sunday we were talking about, again, 5783, right? And I showed you um, that Gamel and Dalet, right? Those of you who weren't here, you go back and read over and listen to those messages or watch those videos and so forth. But that Gamel and the Dalet, and I talked about the Gamel being the third letter of the Hebrew alphabet, right? Or Hebrew alphabet, okay? And it's a picture of a, of a camel. And what we showed you, that new picture, put that screen down on the screen for me, please, that new picture of the uh, Gamel that, with that crown on top. You see that? So we're talking about not just a broke-down, humped-down camel. We're talking about a royal camel, right? Royal kings, okay, who are moving towards those that man, the Dalet, that's humbled or yielded himself. So we talked about how God is moving uh, wealth towards people who are yielded to him. Y'all got it? Now, Isaiah 60 and verse 6 and verse 11. I just want to read those again very quickly, but this time from the NIV. Isaiah 60, verses 6 and 11. Glory to God in the NIV. Do we have that? Hallelujah. We lose our, our feet there. If, if so, and I, I didn't I didn't print it out because I was depending on oh there it is. Praise God. Isaiah 6, verse 60 in the NIV says, Herds of camels will cover your land. So remember that camel, right? The Gamel. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels. That's the word dromedaries we see in New King James. 
uh, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense, go to the next part, bearing gold and incense, and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. So the camels are coming, but they're not coming empty. They're coming loaded down with gold and incense, and they're going to come uh, proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Amen. Now, they're coming to you. Okay? Now, let's look at verse 11, same uh, translation here, verse 11 which says this, your gates will always stand open. They will never be shut day or night. Now that's continuous flow. Hallelujah. Now, let me, let me explain this. Rana just talked about, testifying about, about how uh, because of she's caring for her, her grandmother, and so she's not, she's kind of limited in how many services she can do, hands-on services. But see, when you put products out there, the, ser the products can be sold when you sleep. Several years ago, several years ago, I taught on this. this I'm going way back 2010, 2011. I began teaching on this and talking about the, the, the internet age that we're in, that you can have money coming in around the clock when you're asleep. See, and some of you, you you're in a, well, I'm in a service business. Diversify. Diversify. Okay, I'm, I'm not Diversify. Find God, God, God gives great wisdom. In fact, okay, I don't talk, I don't talk about it. Okay, so he says, uh, they'll never be shut day or night so that people may bring you the wealth of the nations. People may bring you, people may bring you. People may bring you. People may bring you. Put up Ecclesiastes 2.26 for me, please. People may bring you something. So this is way beyond you working all day long. <laughs> this is way beyond a second or third job and taking an extra shift. This is not about you toiling. This is about God putting favor on your life That'll draw people to you. Remember I taught you on the blessing, right? What favor is. Favor is the blessing of the Lord working through you, attracting people to you to do things for you. I taught that years ago. Don't ever forget that. Okay? So verse 26 of Ecclesiastes says, too, says, For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. Is that you? Okay? But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and collecting, keep going, that he may give to him who is good before God. So he gives the world, the sinner, the job of them doing all the hard work. You better catch that. He's going to let them do all the hard work. You just be in a gathering, you just be in a receiving position. Okay, and I'm going to help you get there tonight. All right? So in verse 11 of Isaiah 60 again, he says that men, uh, people are going to bring the wealth to you. All right? So the wealth of the sinner, God's bringing it in. That, that's what I explained to you, part of what's happening in this year that we just entered into two Sundays ago. Y'all got that? All right, now let me go back to Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52 in verse 7. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Where... Isaiah here, by prophetic utterance, 
says, how beautiful upon the feet of the mountains, upon the mountains rather, are the feet of him who preaches all kind of hard stuff to you all the time. Who does what? Brings good news. So part of, I told you about our five-fold ministry, right? Not, not the five-fold ministries, but our five-fold message. We bring good news, right? Uh, which means a fresh word, a preceding word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. Deuteronomy 8.3, Matthew 4.4. 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Okay? So you need a preceding word. You need a right now word. What is God saying right now? Okay? So then, number two, we're here to proclaim peace. That word shalom means, read it for me, safety, soundness in body. Come on. Okay, now this is not Pastor John making this up. This is, you pull out your, your concordance, this is what it's going to say. Okay? Bring glad tidings of good. That good is the word tov. That's where we got the whole idea something good is going to happen to you. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to preach that to you. I'm supposed to deposit in you a seed of expectation that something good is going to happen to you. It ought to be that you and I, when we leave the night, you're greeting somebody, you ought to say, you know, hey, I'll see you next week. Something good's going to happen to you. Have a good night. Something good's going to happen to you. Keep each other stirred up about that. Okay? Then I'm, my job is to proclaim salvation. Proclaim salvation. That word salvation is the Hebrew word Yeshua, where we get the Greek word Jesus from, right? Yeshua, which, read it, what, what, it, what does it mean? Salvation. salvation. Come on. You see all that in there? I don't have to make this stuff up. See, in the body of Christ, is is consuming itself in the sense that there are people in the body of Christ who fight against these words. Like these words aren't in this, aren't part of God's plan. Like as if they don't need it. And they they working hard trying to get it. And God is saying, I don't want you working hard trying to get it. I'll give you, I'll give you ideas, I'll give you plans, I'll give you innovation. I'll give you inventions. I'll, I'll give you instruction. Hallelujah. And then the last thing, say your God reigns. That's what my, my job is, to say, tell you, to encourage you that your God reigns, right? Your God is in charge. Your God is in charge. So no matter what it looks like, God is in charge. No matter what the economy does, your God is in charge. No matter how many no's they tell you, Adrian. All his promises are yes. Y'all got this here. Okay, now, let's go back to this uh, Gamel a little bit here. And look over at Psalm 119, please. Psalm 119. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all familiar with Psalm 119? Y'all know, know some special thing about Psalm 119? It's the longest psalm in the Bible. Longest psalm or what we, some may call chapter. It's the longest segment in the Bible. We know Psalms don't have chapters, right? Okay, Psalm 119, but here's another uh, something that you need to know about the Psalms, uh, Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is an acrostic. It's an acrostic, A-C-R-O-S-T-I-C. It's an acrostic, which means, uh, you know what an acrostic is? Uh, when, when I was, you know, um, sweethearting on my wife, I... <laughs> You acrostic poem. You write her name K I M B E R L Y, and you say 
kind, intelligent, you know, mind, beautiful, elegant. Right? You say all those, that's, that's an acrostic. It worked. I got you, babe. So, um, so there are several acrostic uh, psalms and proverbs in the scripture. Psalm 119 is one of those. Psalm 119 has 22 sections of eight verses. How many? So in, in, in the Hebrew, there are 22 consonants in the Hebrew alphabet, right? So this, I'm, I want to go to a particular section here. In fact, if you got a decent Bible, it labels them. Right? One verse, verse one through verse eight, Alef, you'll see the word Beth next, right? So you drop down to the next section at verse 17, huh? And it says Gamel. Now what's interesting that each verse in in each section starts with Gamel, the letter Gamel. Every verse starts with Gamel. Okay? So look at how this, this praise God. In fact, there's a, another word I want you to keep in mind, gamal, G-A-M-A-L, all right, which is the root of that, okay? Now, watch this. It says, deal bountifully with your servant. Are you there, verse 17? Yes. Deal bountifully with your servant. So the word bountifully comes from the word gamal, where, we get, where, where gamel is the root of it. Understand this. That I may live and keep your word. Look at all, all the verses in this section here. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. That's what Gamel is about, opening our eyes. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks and my soul longs or yearns with longing for your judgments at all times. This is what all happens in Gamel. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. I told you we're going to see that happening, right? Okay. Verse 22, remove from me reproach and contempt. Remove everything that makes me shamed. You better catch this here. For I have kept your testimonies. So stop letting them dog me out. God, I'm keeping your word. Lord, don't, don't, don't let me keep looking bad. I'm keeping your word. Verse 23. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Then it says, verse 24. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. So in other words, sum it up by saying, God, I'm sticking by your word. I'm sticking with your word. I'm staying in your word. So my whole life, I have, I have an expectation of things changing because I'm sticking with your word. That's all Gamel. Okay, I'm going to keep going here. I want you to see this here. So this word, uh, remember I gave you the first word uh, where it says deal bountifully? Now remember, Gamel is in every verse that, I, that we just read. But I'm just going to deal with the first verse. Bountifully, deal bountifully, it is where we get the Hebrew word, uh, that comes from the Hebrew word, rather, gamal. Gamal. I want you to see what this means here. Because this is what gamal is all about. It means to deal fully with. It means to recompense. Recompense means to repay. God told Abraham in the 15th chapter of Genesis, verse 1, 
God said, Abraham, fear not. He said, I'm your exceedingly great reward. He you know, Amplify says, I'm your abundant compensation. Your reward shall be great. So God knows how to recompense you and at the same time recompense the enemies. Remember, I, we read that God is ready uh, in Romans 9, 28 to close his account with man fully. Okay, so God is about to deal with mankind for their wickedness. At the same time, he's going to deal with you for your righteousness. I don't know if y'all got, got that. While he's dealing with mankind, wicked men for their wickedness, he's going to deal with the righteous for their righteousness. Remember, I showed you God can make one move simultaneously and deal with both sides at the same time, and they have different effects, different results. Remember, I showed you that two Sundays ago. Okay. So it means to deal fully with, it means to recompense, to deal out to, do to. So God's going to do something to you. <laughs> to deal bountifully with, to recompense, to repay, to requite. Notice this last part. I'll show you this here in a minute. To wean a child or to be weaned. Okay. So God, in this hour, I told you, man, we're talking about this year, is God's going to reveal his power. Okay, the year of God's power. So he's going to recompense and deal with the righteous and the wicked at the same time. So for them, it'll be perilous times, but for us, it'll be glorious times. So don't be shaken by what you see going on out there. Y'all hear me? Don't be shaken by what you see going on out there. It's not for you. The Bible says, only with your eyes, only with your eyes will you behold and see the what? The, the what? Reward of the wicked. So there is a reward for wickedness, and it's not good. God is going to reward the wicked for their wickedness. He's going to reward them for what they earn. The wages of sin is death. God's going to reward the wicked for their wickedness. But only with our eyes will we behold and see that. For us, we get a righteous reward. I'll show you that here in a moment, okay? Can I keep going here? All right, now, I'm, I'm taking my time here because I want you to see this here. Okay, so you and I are supposed to be expecting good because he's going to deal fully with Recompense, deal out to, do to, deal bountifully with. Okay? Recompense, repay, requite, wean a child. All right. Now, let's go to, go to the place here. Go to Psalm 135, please. Psalm 135. Hallelujah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to sure up your expectation. I don't want you to have Sunday morning hype and Wednesday morning depression. Psalm 135, verse 5 and 6. For I know that the Lord is what? Great. And our Lord is above all gods. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm in the wrong scripture, y'all. 
I meant, so, that's good right there, it is. Matter of fact, verse 6, I was getting ready to go to verse 6 because I said 5 and 6. Verse 6 is good. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and in earth, in the season, and all, the Lord does whatever he wants to do. You can't stop him. Okay, but what I want is Psalm 13. We were a long ways off. I'm like, man, that does not look right. Psalm 13. Put your glasses on, Pastor. I don't need my glasses to read. I need my glasses to see y'all. <laughs> nope, I need my glasses to see y'all. <laughs> Praise God. Right now, I don't need to see y'all. I just need to see this paper right here. I trust y'all are listening. Right? All right, Psalm 13, verse 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because what? He has gamaled me or gamaled me. Notice what he says. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So by the time we finish the, this gamel, your praise is going to get a boost. I mean, that, that, I mean, you're praising God pretty good now. But when the desire comes, but when the manifestation comes, when the glory of God appears in this church, when the glory of God appears in this city, the Bible says that the knowledge of the God's glory shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. When we begin to see, matter of fact, Isaiah 40 and verse 5 says that God's glory shall be seen. It said all flesh is going to see it together. So when we see God's glory, our praise is going to go to a different level. He says here that I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Y'all got that here. Give me that same verse, please, in the Living Bible. In the Living Bible, verse 6. Look at what it says in the, in the Living Bible. Can y'all read it with me? Yes. It says, I will sing to the Lord because he has me so richly. My God. Why don't you just grab a hold of that right now and say, that's my scripture, that's me. I will sing to the Lord because he has blessed me so richly. He has gemelled me. Are y'all catching this here? The, the camel showed up. Are y'all seeing this here? I'm trying to get you to see what is about to shift in your life. Hallelujah. God's going to make you sing. All right, let me keep going here. Let's keep going here. Go to Psalm now, number 18. Psalm number 18. I'm showing you this Gamel or Gamal through scripture. I'm not, I don't have time to take you everywhere, but I just want you to, show, want you to see a few here. Psalm 18. Are you there? Yes. Verse 20 says, The Lord rewarded me according to what? According to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed me. Okay, now remember now, there's a reward for the wicked. Psalm 91. But now we see there's a reward for righteousness. How many righteous people do I have in here? Okay, that should be every hand raised if you're born again. 
Okay, so he says, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. That word rewarded is gamal. This is the gimel. This is what's happening. So the Lord sent the camels to me according to my righteousness. Okay. Now what's important here is that you don't get caught up on the uh, Old Testament stopper on righteousness. That about your, necessarily your action. Righteousness for us as New Testament believers is a status. We have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am righteous. So he rewards me according to my righteousness. So just being in right standing with God, there is a reward that is coming into my life. You got you to gotta get this here. You got to get this because the devil, what the devil will do is convince you that you are unrighteous because of all your past. And because you messed up last week. But he forgot that you went to, you went to 1 John 1, 9, which says, if I confess my sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So I'm right back in right standing with God. Okay? So it says... He will reward me, the Lord, so the Lord rewarded me, verse 20 of Psalm 18, according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed me. Watch verse 21. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. Now, thank you, Lord. Isn't that our testimony right now? We're, we're standing God's way. Now, you may not be perfect in all your steps, but you are, every time you know the, the, that you get that little check in your spirit, you say, oh, Lord, forgive me. I, See, if you are living, living with the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, he checks you right away. It ain't going to be next year sometime he say, you know what you did last year. No, he might remind you what you did last year, but he told you on the spot. Matter of fact, if you're really hip, he told you before it happened. And if, if you quenched him, then he got to come back and bring this conviction. Conviction is good. See, in the body of Christ, they're, they're trying to talk us out of conviction. They're saying conviction isn't for believers. The devil is a liar. We need conviction. Conviction, <laughs> over the last few weeks, we, our, our, one of our vehicles was in the, in the, uh, at the dealership getting some repairs done, and so they give us these loaner cars, which is, you know, praise God for that. But um, one of the features that we hated on, this, on these loaner cars was, uh, you know how, how, some t how you, you kind of get out of your lane? And you know, some of them, some of the cars, that the, 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 door, the steering wheel vibrates. Well, in these cars, in these cars, it's so crazy. It was so annoying, and, and particularly, it was so scary, honestly, when I first drove the car. Because I'm driving, coming down US 19, and I'm flying. And, and I'm, I'm playing my music, and you know, I'm jamming in the loner and everything. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear, ah! So I'm looking around like, oh, look. I keep going on the road. So I'm thinking, who is blowing me? I'm about to, I'm about to pull over. And, what? What? Am I going too slow? What am I doing? What? Who blowing at me? And this kept going. I realized, wait a minute. Oh, that's my car blowing at me. 
give me back the vibration on the steering wheel. Don't, ah. I mean, because it sounds like a, like a car horn in the distance. It's made to make you think somebody's saying, get out, of, you know, move over. And I'm like, man, now what, what is that? That's conviction. That's conviction so I don't wreck myself. And the Holy Ghost is going to be in your ear. And you start dialing them seven digits. You dial first digit, second digit, third. And you get ready to give somebody a good tongue lash. And he says, ah. You looking around, no, that's inside you. It's inside you. See, that eye was inside the vehicle. That eye is not outside. That eye is inside you. Glory to God. By the time we got the second car, we used to, we used to it then. Like, oh, okay, that's that thing right there. Praise the Lord. At that point, I just, I just disobeyed it. Change the lanes without putting them turn signal. That's what you do. You change lanes without a turn signal. And, ah! Follow the law. Follow the law. Follow the law. Praise the Lord. Where are, where, 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 where are we? Verse 21. For I have, I have kept thy ways of the Lord, the ways of the Lord, and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. I kept myself from my, from my iniquity. I kept myself from my iniquity. You know your iniquity. You know your iniquity. That's what the Bible says, lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset you. You know what sin will easily beset you. So keep yourself away from it. Therefore, verse 24, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. So can you see what's happening here? That God, in this Gamel season, he is bringing great reward for his people. Y'all got this. Can I go somewhere else, please? Go to Proverbs, please. Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. Y'all know Proverbs 31, don't you? Oh, yeah, Pastor, I know Proverbs 31. I know Proverbs 31. It's not good for kings to drink wine. That's what you... Oh, that ain't the part y'all think about? Y'all think about the Proverbs 31 woman, aren't you? Okay. Okay, I'm glad because verse 10 through 31 is an acrostic. The, the, the passage about the virtuous woman is an acrostic. Okay, 22 letters, 22 verses, right? And so, guess which one is the gamel? Come on, math. 12, thank you. Somebody got it. Verse 12 is the Gamel verse. Look at what it says. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She does him good and not evil. Now, I know what the men want me to say is, this season, God wants the women to take better care of their husbands. 
us. Up it. How we gonna up it? Oh yeah. Oh my wife said up it. Okay, yeah. All the wives, make sure you up it with your husbands. Do your husband good all the days of his life. Do him good. Y'all men say, say, do me good, baby. Do me good, baby. Boy, y'all sound like little ladies. Come on, say. Do me good, baby. Do me good. They like, do me good, baby. Do me good, baby. All right, now, as wonderful as all that is, Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman is about us. We are the bride of Christ. We are this woman. And don't get it, get it mixed up now. I'm talking about we corporately. I know what a woman is. I know out there people don't know what a woman is, but I still know what a woman is. I got myself one. Okay? <laughs> but as the body, we are a woman, the body of Christ. So in this season, it's so important that we do him good and not evil all the days of our life. So the body of Christ must in this time step into a, a character and a conduct that does him good. See, we, we, the body of Christ has brought a lot of shame on the name of Christ. It's, it's almost sometimes just embarrassing to, when you hear about what churches are doing and pastors are doing. You're like, oh, Lord, another one? Okay, wow. And not just pastors, but lay members doing stuff and posting it everywhere. If you're going to do it, don't post it. It's better just don't do it. That's the reality, just don't do it. So it's time for us to do him good. Okay? Now, as a result of doing him good, look at verse 23. Verse 23. It says, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. So our job is to make Christ known. Now, what's going to make him known is when the people see us, because they can't see him, but they see us. The Bible says in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, it says that Christ uh, gave himself for her, the body, the, the body of Christ, the church, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. So Christ has adorned the church with beauty with glory, with brilliance, with um, bedazzling, opulence. So Christ wants his church, his bride, decked out. So people see See the bride, they say, oh, that's, that's Jesus' wife over there. See, we have to make him known. All right. 
let's try to get into this here. Okay. Now, remember the definition from uh, Bountifully, from Gamal, to deal fully with, recompense, deal out, so forth, repay, requite, to wean a child, to wean a child. Now, I want to show you this in Scripture here. Can I do that? Now, let's go back to the beginning, to the beginning here, Genesis 21. Genesis 21. I see this weaning. Because something is about to happen. Come on, somebody. Something is about to happen. Real good. There's a requirement for us, though. There's a maturity-prosperity connection. In Genesis 21, I'm going to start at verse 1, media. Go back to verse 1. See if I can read through this quickly enough to make up for a little lost time here. Verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. Remember the Lord told Sarah he's going to visit her? In in the previous chapter, he said, by this time next year. All right? So he visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Won't he do it? I said, won't he do it? He visited her as he said. He did as he spoke. That's how God operates. Verse 2. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God has spoken to him. So God told him when it's going to happen, and God did it. Verse 3. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac, or Isaac. Well, that's English-speaking people. Okay? Verse 4. Then Abraham, or Abraham, <laughs> want to get technical, circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded. Verse 5, now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Boy, that's good. Verse 6, and Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, for I have borne him a son in his old age. Now, now there's, a whole, there's a whole lot of messages in those first uh, six, seven verses there. A whole lot of messages. I'll let y'all preach them. Okay? She said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse, Sarah would nurse children? So she's going to nurse a child. Okay? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Okay. <clears throat> verse 8. Verse 8, here we go. And the child grew and was weaned, gamaled. He went through his gamel time. And the child grew and was weaned, and watch what happened. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. You got to get this. So he was nursed at Sarah's bosom. But then the day came that he was weaned. Weaned mean he was cut off from the milk. 
He moved from milk to meat. And the day he moved from milk to meat, his father threw a party. I'll come over here because y'all got it. They didn't get it. The day he moved from milk to meat, his father threw him a party. Isaac was the promised son. Isaac was the promised seed. Isaac is the typology of Jesus Christ himself. Abraham is the typology of Father God. The day that Isaac, who's a typology of Christ, grew up, his father threw a party for him. We are the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 tells us that God gave apostles and prophets and evangelists. Put up on the screen, Ephesians 4, verse 11, 12, and 13. Put up around, right around there. Oh, man, I, I want you to sit with your eyes. Glory to God. Glory to God. He himself gave some to be apostles or prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Keep going. Keep going. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the growth of the body of Christ. Watch this. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a what? Perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What he says is, what he's saying is that the body of Christ has to grow up to match Christ. So the same way Abraham, representing God, threw a party for Isaac, representing Jesus, when he grew up, when the body of Christ grows up, Okay, okay, you, you, you may not. I'm going to put it right in your lap. When you grow up. Because I don't have to wait on everybody to grow up. Oh, boy. Thank God I don't have to wait on everybody else to grow up to have my party. When I grow up, when I move from milk to meat, when I'm, when I'm ready for meat and strong meat and honey, now he's able to throw a party for me on my behalf. You got to understand this. So I looked it up. In, in, in the Jewish custom, this day was a big day. They prepared for this. They were waiting for the day it happened. They wait for the day that the mother would say, he's ready. Once the mother said, okay, that's enough. He's ready. Here comes the feast. And everything that's been prepared all those years. Now, the weenie would only be somewhere between three years old, four years old, five years old, whatever it was. It depends on, on, on the, each child and each mother. They, they, weren't, they didn't have to be 10 years old, 15 years old. This is not some 20-year-old man. The day he was weaned, here comes the party. God is ready to throw a party for the body of Christ. And if that don't float your boat, I just told you, you ain't got to wait on the whole body of Christ to get it. The moment you grow up, he's ready to throw a part in your life to provide for you a great feast 
Because you mature to a place where you can handle it. In other words, in other words, oh Lord, I don't know why I gotta say that. In other words, they, they didn't throw these little one-year-old birthday parties with scooters and, and donkeys and elephants and everybody, all that kind of stuff. People do these one-year-old birthday parties. They thought all the stuff, the stuff the child don't even remember. The child can't even take part in it. The child's still drinking milk. But you got crabs and hot dogs and steaks for all your friends. That's for y'all. Nothing to do with the baby. Spend up all your tax refund money on a party your child never even remembers. No, they waited until the time that the child could enjoy himself what was prepared. Oh, my. Now, do me a favor. Give me verse 8, please, Genesis 21, 8, in the CEV, the Contemporary English Version, the CEV. Hallelujah. Look at what it says. The time came when Sarah no longer had to nurse Isaac, and on that day, Abraham gave a big feast. The day came when the time came when he no longer had to be nursed. Now, let me help you with something. Nursing... One is for a child's hunger. Two is for a child's comfort. That's why, that's why it's so destructive in this modern-day era that mo these you know, young people, young ladies, they have these babies, and they don't nurse their babies. Stick a pacifier, stick a bottle with some Similac in there, and first of all, the child's not getting the nourishment he needs, but he's also not getting the comfort that he or she needs. That child cries, he can get on his mom's bosom, and he's going to stop crying. He's going to be full, but he's also going to be comforted by the warmth of his mother's body. But there comes a time when you no longer have to go there for comfort. You know how to comfort yourself. I'm not, I don't know if y'all got what I'm saying to you. I'm talking about growing up. There comes a time when you don't have to call pastor for everything. You don't have to call your prayer, your, your, your uh, flight leader for everything. It's, it comes a time when you know how to, okay, I, I know how to deal with this myself. Oh, shucks now. I don't need 10 prayer warriors praying on my little case. I know how to get a prayer through on my own, Lord. Give me that same verse in the uh, ERV. Isaac continued to grow, and soon he was old enough to begin eating solid food. Y'all got it? So Abraham gave a big party. So Abraham gave a big party. So why did Abraham give a big party? Because he was now able to eat solid food. So you don't get your party... Oh, y'all don't like it. You don't get your party until you're ready to eat solid food. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. This is good than y'all let know. <laughs> I know that's improper English. This is a whole lot better than y'all let know right here. You don't get your party 
until you're ready to eat solid food. Until you off the thumb. Off the breast. Off the, off the pacifier. You whine and pastor got to come stick some pacifier. They don't like me. Somebody said something about my hair. I think I'm going to leave your church again. Go. Go. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody going to change that many diapers all day long. No, settle your soul. No, see, you don't get your party. I'm talking about prosperity. You don't get your prosperity until there's a level of maturity. They didn't throw this part of him when he was still on the mother's breast. He had to be weaned. Off the milk, on solid food. So he could enjoy the party. Hallelujah. You don't invite kids to grown folks' parties. Tell your neighbor, God's ready to throw your party. But you got to grow up. There's a connection between your maturity and your prosperity. Y'all got this here. Go to 1 Samuel 1, 1 Samuel 1, 21. 1 Samuel 1, verse 21. See, because we got to grow up very quickly. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, why, why do y'all think the Lord's been instructing us this year to become spiritual? Just because he's he trying to control our thinking, control our activity? No, he's ready to throw you a party. He's got all the balloons ready, all the banners ready. He's got all the, he's got the band ready. He's got all the food ready. He's got everything ready. He's just waiting on a mature person that can handle the party. Amen. Are you in 1 Samuel 1? Yes. Verse, um, I'm not. 1 Samuel, got distracted. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hallelujah. And uh, verse... 21 is what I, what I think, right? Okay. <clears throat> now the man Elkanah, y'all remember Elkanah and Hannah? Okay. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. Verse 22. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned. Then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. Now, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going and come back. Verse 23. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Verse 24. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And the child was young. Now, I'll stop there. Um, let me go down to verse uh, 27, 
27. For this child I prayed, and the Lord granted, has granted my, me my petition, which I asked of him. Verse 28. Therefore, I, have also, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. Okay, y'all got that? I needed to add verse 28 so you can see something. She said, as long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. Now, let's go back, please, to verse 22. Verse 22. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. You catch what's happening? Not until he's, he grows up where he doesn't need me anymore. Then he can serve God forever. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. She said, not until he's weaned, then I'll take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. In other words, not until he doesn't need my milk anymore. Not until he doesn't need my comfort anymore. Because as long as he still needs my milk and my comfort, he'll be there trying to serve but longing to come back to me. And the reason some people cannot serve God fully or are not serving God fully is because they've not been weaned off the milk yet and they still need somebody to comfort them, somebody to still hold them, somebody to still rub their back, somebody to still rub their neck, somebody to still hold their hand, somebody to still tell them it's going to be all right and you can't serve God fully yet. And I'm not picking on you because we all start there. I said, we all start there. I said, we all start there. Desire the sense of milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So we all start there. But we should not stay there. At some point, we must grow up. I said, at some point, we must grow up. Paul said to Timothy, he said, when you're picking out men to be pastors, overseers, he said, don't pick a novice. Don't pick somebody that's still got milk behind their ears. Breath smelling like Similac. Don't pick some baby. Pick some baby. You need somebody who's mature. Because you're going to run into some mature situations. And if you still need somebody to comfort you, how are you going to comfort anybody else? So she said, I can't take Samuel to Eli to serve God until he's been weaned, until he's all, he, already, he knows now how to soothe himself. So he knows how to get his own sustenance. How to get his own provision. How to get in the word for yourself. Glory to God. You don't need to call me and ask, ask me, Pastor, give, give me a scripture for that. Give you a scripture for that. All that Bible, you got a Bible with tabs in it and, and highlights in it. You got a Bible with a table of contents and a concordance and, and, a, and a phone. You asking me for a scripture? And the Holy Ghost on the inside of you?
So Samuel couldn't serve the Lord fully until he was weaned, mature enough not to need natural support, not needing to keep going back to the basics and starting over. Okay, tell your neighbor, we got to grow up. Let me try to round this out here. I don't have time to go finish everything, but let me give you a couple more here. 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. I hope you all got something out of this tonight here, get, you're getting something here. Because I, this, it wasn't my intent to preach. My intent was to preach, was to preach purpose, prosperity, connection. And I'm going to eventually get to that because that's what the Lord was dealing with me on Sunday about, Sunday afternoon about the connection between your purpose and your prosperity. You're going to prosper when you get into your purpose. You're going to prosper. I mean, it's, it's, going, to, it's going to mess the devil up when you get in your purpose. God doesn't want you in a hustle in something that's not in your purpose. Because you can hustle flow going the wrong way. But as I begin to, to spend time with God and to get this, what he shifted me to was, wait, we got to deal with, deal with the maturity first. Wow. Okay. First Corinthians 3, are you there? Verse 1. Now, this is Paul talking to the church here, right? It says, and our brethren could not speak to you as to what? Spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with for until now you were not able to receive it and even now you are still. He said, God, Lee, what's wrong? I still can't talk to y'all the way I need to talk to you. For you are still what? Carnal. How do I know? For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So here's a test. Here's a litmus test for you and for your life. If there's any envy or any strife or any division or contention among you, you are carnal. And you're not positioned for prosperity. So tell you, they get the envy out. Get the strife out. Get all the division out. See, when you envy, when you envy folk, you want prosperity just so you can do something. That's carnal. You want the shoes just because she got the shoes or he got the shoes. That's, that's carnal. We got to get over that, man. Envy and strife. Strife. You don't have time for strife, ladies and gentlemen. Tell your neighbor, get the strife out. Make amends with folk right away. You got strife in you. You're not in a position for prosperity. You better love everybody. Love, love overlooks a whole lot of stuff. Love causes a multitude of sins. You better love folk. You better love folk. I mean, even the ones in your house, you better love them. Don't let strife get in there. Hallelujah. Don't get in strife about denominations and what people teach. Don't get in strife about that stuff. 
Don't judge another man's servant. Let, let, them, let God deal with them. Yeah. Do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Don't get in strife. Don't let divisions be among you. Because if you're carnal, you're not ready for the party. Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5. I'm almost done. Hebrews 5. Let me, let me hurry up here. Try not to do too much commentary. Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5. Verse 12. Verse 12. Let me know you get there by saying hallelujah. hallelujah. It says, for though by this time, for though by this time, by this time, you ought to be teachers. Talking to the whole body. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk. Come on. For everyone who partakes only of milk is what? Unskilled in what? For he is a babe. But solid food, remember now, remember now, Isaac got the party when he was able to take solid food. Solid food belongs to those who are a what? A full age or mature, that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So you know you're growing up when you now get, oh, no. Nope, I'm not going to watch that. Not going there. Now, I was going to read this earlier, but can I read it right now since we're there? Chapter 6, verse 1. Chapter 6, verse, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or maturity. That word is maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. You still in argument about that stuff? That is elementary. That's basic stuff. He said we should be way past that now. You still need somebody to convince you about laying on of hands? Resurrect, you still need to be convinced about that, baby? Okay, let me finish here. Last place, Galatians 3. Galatians 3. Y'all, were y'all in Hebrews? Go, go to James. Go to James first. I, I, I'm, I don't want to leave this out. I don't want to leave this out. Your, your food will still be waiting. James, James 4. James 4, verse 1. James 4, I, I don't want you to miss this part. James 4, verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from, come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasures that war your members? Verse 2, you lust. That's desire and do not have. You want your party, but you don't have it. You want your prosperity and do not have it. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have your party, your prosperity, because you do not ask. Wait a minute, I'm asking, Lord. He says you ask, but you do not receive because you ask amiss. What do you mean, ask amiss? That you may spend it on your pleasures. That is baby. That is childish. 
selfish that everything you want just, is just for you to just have. I just want to have a good time, Lord. I just want to have a good time. No. A real party is, you ain't a party if it's just you. Ain't nobody want a party by themselves. It ain't a party if it ain't a big crowd. So, so prosperity isn't just for me to party by myself. Prosperity is to bring in people who don't know anything about it. I'm going to bring it. We're going to all share in God's goodness. It's not about what kind of car and house and things I can have. It's about can everybody be blessed? Are you seeing this here? Say, neighbor, just grow up. Just grow up. Just grow up. Y'all got this here? Galatians 3.29 through 4.1, Amplified Classic. Galatians 3.29. I went backwards. Give me the Amplified Classic, please, just for sake of time. Hallelujah. It says, and if you belong to Christ or in him who is Abraham's seed, then you are Abraham's offspring and spiritual heirs according to promise. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Now, what I mean is that as long as the inheritor, heir, is a child and under age, he does not differ from a slave, although he's the master of all the estate. So, although you own everything, if you're still immature, you know, different than a slave. No parties for slaves. No prosperity for the slave. The prosperity is for the sons. When the, when, the, when the prodigal son came back home in the 15th chapter of Luke, his father threw him a big party. The older brother came in and said, hey, how come you ain't throw me no party? He said, son, all I have is yours. Luke 15, 31, he said, all I have is you can throw your own party. He wasn't throwing parties for servants. He was throwing parties for the sons. You're a son. You can throw a party anytime. I, you're one of my sons. Okay, let's, let's close here. Let me give you one last place. Romans 8, 14 through 17. Romans 8, 14 through 17. Let's go there. I'm, I, I moved around a little bit. Let's close here. Because I want to show you, this is how the sonship works here. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That word sons, huios. Uh, it's the way you pronounce it in the Greek, which means mature sons, grown up. So how you become mature and weaned is you are led by the Spirit of God. Remember in John chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says Jesus came to his own, his own did not receive him, but to men as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Now, you, he gave you the power, but it's not until you're led by the Spirit of God that you actually you actualize sonship. Sonship gives you the right to party. And this is not the sons with the, with the pacifiers. This is the mature sons of God. Verse 15. Keep going through verse 17. For you do not receive the spirit of adoption, of bondage rather again to fear, but you receive the spirit of what? Adoption. By whom we cry out what? Abba Father. Verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? 
That's a, that's a different word there, okay? Verse, eight, verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and what else? With Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So we are heirs of God, but we just read in Galatians 4.1, the heir is no different than a slave if he's still a child. So I can't step into the maturity, into the prosperity, until I step into my maturity. Got it? Now, God is very wise. As parents, we make our efforts, our endeavors to be wise. There are certain things that our children, at certain stages of their life, their maturity, we would not entrust to them. You wouldn't give your nine-year-old keys to your car. If you say, I'm hungry, I want to go to McDonald's, you don't give them the keys to the car. You should not. As a matter of fact, according to insurance specialists, if you're not 25 yet, y'all stand to your feet. If you're not 25 yet, you're not ready for this. Your brain's not fully developed. You're not mature enough yet. Now, listen to me. I know you didn't run around, hop, skip, and jump over chairs and stuff tonight. But the reason this had to come forth is because I don't want you to be excited about prosperity and not be positioned for it. God's not just trying to excite you. God's not trying to just excite you. He's trying to get something to you and through you. I was sharing with a group of guys that uh, were starting to meet together, and I shared with them that um, that Matthew 24, 14 is our responsibility. Jesus tells the disciples how they're going to know when the end time is, is here. He went through earthquakes and wars, rumors of wars, and all these various things that happened that the devil finances. When you hit Matthew 24, 14, that's our job. The devil's not going to finance the gospel. We've got the gospel that needs to go out into all the earth. So when you're mature, you understand responsibility. See, if you give... If you give a 14-year-old a $300 paycheck, they spend it all on Uber Eats. They're going to spend the whole thing on Uber Eats. Because they're not responsible. They're not thinking about anything beyond their present day need. And they feel rich. And they're not responsible enough to so that's why you got to kind of say, bring your check home. And let me, let me hand you something here. Okay. Um, so God has to have people who, can, who are responsible enough to handle wealth. Now, if I'm preaching to the choir, y'all just excuse me. Many times the problem is we, please take this without being offended, we think we're there and we're not there. 
because we keep failing the test. God always tests us with little. He tests with little. And when you've proven yourself faithful over little, then he makes you rule over much. So when you get the, you know, $1,000 bonus and you run straight to the mall and blow it on Tory Burch, you know, flip-flops, because I always had to have Tory Burch flip-flops, you just felt the test. You felt the maturity test. I'm not picking on Tory Burch. I'm, I'm not picking I'm just telling, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying you failed the maturity test. See, the maturity test is when money comes in my hand, all right, Father, what is this for? What do I do with this? It's on a little, little scale. And the more we prove ourselves responsible on a little scale, more and more. Teach them, teaching our daughters how to drive. I didn't let them drive first, just by themselves, take the car, just learn. I sat in the car with them. That was scary. But I, I sat in the car with them. Drive, okay, we're gonna ride. And I, 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 I talk, talk, talk. Then, to wean them from that, I stopped talking as much, am I right? I stopped talking as much. I said, okay, get us, get us from, get us from church to home. I'm not going to say anything. See, I'm, I'm weaning them off of my assistance. See? And, and, and they had to prove they can handle that before I gave them keys to now you get in the car by yourself. So I don't want us expecting God to do something whoo, and he's, he's giving us a little test and we're feeling a little test. You understand? Now listen, let me say this to you. Well, I don't want to say we have all, but as far as I, I can assume, most of us have failed these little tests. Me included. We failed a little test before. So this is not an indictment or condemnation on anybody. Trust me, we've all, as far as I know, we've all failed tests. But, all right, from that, we're growing, we're learning, we're developing, we're maturing. And the more we mature, and remember, the, the, the maturity, the maturation is up to us, how quickly it goes, right? So the, the quicker we're able to handle it, the quicker God can release more and more into our hands because he knows we're not going to go buck wild, but we're going to listen to his voice and do his will. So that's where we get Job 36 and verse 11 from. If we obey and serve him, we will spend our days in prosperity and our years in pleasures. God's not interested in giving you a week-long prosperity. He's not interested in giving you a seasonal prosperity. He's interested in you living in prosperity all the days of your life. What's required? I obey him 
and I serve him. Children don't serve. Children look to be served. I'm talking about the difference between immaturity and maturity. Children want everything for themselves. Gimme, 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 gimme. But as you mature, you leave being served and you switch over to serving. So when you do that, now you're ready. Now you're ready for God to bless your socks off. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you tonight for your word. Thank you for your people. I pray that every heart that has been open to receive the word of God tonight, that God, the word has penetrated the soul of, our, of each heart, and the seed of the word is planted deep in that soil to produce the life, the mindset we must have. I pray even first of all that God, everything that you didn't plant is plucked up, that there be a total renovation of our minds, a total renewing of our minds that God, all the junk that's been in there that's caused us to see finances one way and handle finances one way and, and has kept getting us in financial trouble and we've not yielded ourselves. We've not yielded ourselves to you. God, we want all that junk out of us. For you're looking for that yielded man, that humble woman, that one who said, I will obey you and serve you. I will follow you all the days of my life. Not the one who's simply after your blessings and don't want you. Thank you that we can have your blessings. But more important than any blessing is our fellowship with you, Lord. For we don't have you, we have nothing. We say, even as Moses said, that God, if you don't go with us into this land, don't take us there. If you're not with us in the promise, don't let us go there. God, we want you more than anything in this life and anything in this world. God, we want to mature as sons and daughters of God to make ourselves available and useful to you and your kingdom. Father, I'm praying for this church and everyone that's tied and connected to this church that God, there will be an accelerated maturity in this church that we'll begin to grow up very quickly. We'll begin to grow up very quickly that we'll begin to shed off those childish ways, childish habits, childish mindsets any place that God we're still carnal, any place where there's still strife or envy or divisions, any place where God we're still on the milk level and not maturing to the meat level, God, we ask you to help us to move quickly to that milk, to that meat, strong meat and that honey level that we can actually handle. I pray, Father, that the Holy Ghost will do work inside of us that we might be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I pray, Father, that these, your people, will begin to see a trickle and then a flow and then a flood of prosperity, abundance and prosperity. Deal bountifully with your people. Deal bountifully with your people. Reward your people according to our righteousness, O oh God.
let the flood happen in our lives that we might walk in the fullness that comes from your house. I pray the blessing upon your people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now give God a great praise tonight if you receive that word. Praise the Lord.